Hello. Hello, welcome. I am Mary Smurl, and... Cooper McElroy, and this. And I am Charlie McElroy, the daughter of Sydney and Justin. And this is. And this is. And this is. Soulbird. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Re-emerging like the Chilean miners for her first live show since February, no, March of 2020. The first live Sawbones since that time. It's Sydney McElroy. This is so surreal. <laughs> I, Would you say, is it fair to say, it's been a weird week? <laughs> it has been, well, it's, it's been a weird, however long it's been since I've done one of these shows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it yeah, but it, it's been a weird week. And I know what you're thinking. Are you dressed as pirates? Um, yes, yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking, why? Why not? <laughs> uh, we we uh, the the theme of this show, and we're doing we're doing a whole series this tour. Yes, this is our first time a three part live series mm -hmm. about pirate medicine, and and obviously Justin is fancy this tour. Uh, what's fancier than Steed Bonnet? Yeah, I don't nothing, know. So, so we're in cost. So we're pirates. So we're pirates. So we're pirates. I forgot my, I forgot my long white socks. So mm -hmm. you're getting the ultimate calf show. It's like. Do, um, but so, did you check out his calves though? Ah, uh, thank you, Sydney. Yeah, it's like a regular 4-H camp with all the calves, the beautiful calves. <laughs> he's got. He's up got. Up on this stage. He ha the man has good calves. Thanks. That's marching band for you. <laughs> Heel to toe, baby. Heel to toe. So I want to talk about medicine during the golden age of piracy. And as I was reading about the golden age of piracy, one of the notes was, and this was of course before we figured out how to treat scurvy, which makes you wonder why it was the golden yeah. age of piracy. But that, that's what it I was It does also raise the question of who decided that was the golden age of piracy, pirates? Because it certainly wasn't people that were getting their goods purloined, right? Like this, they didn't look at each other like this. Really, is the golden age? That was, that was amazing. <laughs> I, I, they really robbed the heck out of us. So, during the, the it's all downhill from here. These are really great pirates right now. During the golden age of piracy, uh, if you if you were lucky, you had someone on board your ship who was a surgeon, a barber surgeon, had some sort of medical training, 
Um, maybe you didn't, maybe the best you could hope for is somebody who knew a little Latin because a lot of the medicines, the labels would have been written in Latin and if you didn't know that, too bad. Um, <laughs> often there would be a medicine chest. So that's sort of the mainstay as we, as we look at pirate medicine, the field of pirate medicine. The, <laughs> let's start with the medicine chest. So if you were lucky, you had one or two if you were really lucky. Um, and these would, so, and, and each one would contain different things. So you had two, and one would be like your liquid medicines, and there would be like 100 to 150 little slots all labeled. And a clever thing that you would do is you would have multiples of each medicine, and you would put them in different places throughout the chest, and I know that doesn't sound clever. No, it sounds confusing. It sounds very confusing, and I'm sure it was confusing, especially, again, if you didn't read Latin, but... Uh, the reason for that is that if something got like broken or like shot at <laughs> or with cannon stuff with, or yeah, cannon stuff like or... with pirate fighting, then <laughs> then you would only break like one bottle of that tincture and the other bottle was safe. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. And you would have another chest, so you had your chest full of like liquid medicines, and you accepted that like you're at sea, there are storms, stuff is gonna break. So you want another chest with like your dried stuff, with like your powders and your herbal dried preparations, and with all your instruments. Those would sit over there. Um, usually, I was looking through <laughs> an extensive article about what containers were made of. <laughs> On ships that held medicine. Riveting stuff. <laughs> like <laughs> that had to be a subscriber, right? You had to pay a subscription to get to that kind of info. Like, were they glass? Were they pewter? That, were they that ceramic? That explains why I were so frequently heard you this week just going, ooh, <laughs> huh. So they often were glass, which seems like a bad idea. A lot of substances were caustic, and so it was necessary something that could, you know, hold up to the substance. Um, but a lot of them were glass, which so it was constantly a problem. If you, <laughs> with you know, breaking, if you uh, wanted to, if you could, you could get an animal bladder, and so there were actually a lot of medicines that would be stored in like literally like the bladder of an animal, mm -hmm. and then just put it in there. They did have like paper for like lozenges and troches, little things like that but they also had these like I was looking at pictures of them they're like makeup palettes full of like um, some sort of uh, you know uh, salve or ointment or something like that and it, it really did it looked like these extensive makeup palettes that you could just pull out and be like none of this is going to work <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm about to put all of it on you <laughs> yeah I was thinking back to the fighting like that would be like oh no they shot our nothing Luckily, we have some nothing over here that works exactly as well as the other nothing. And these, these chests were vitally important, so important that if there wasn't one on board, at times, pirates would refuse to sail. Uh, at one point, and especially refuse to fight, if there was any sort of you know, encounter with rival pirates, whoever you would encounter. If there was any sort of fight about to happen, if there wasn't a medicine chest on board, there was one case where they just abandoned ship. Everybody just, like, forget it. Never mind. <laughs> if we don't have that big chest of salves. <laughs> We're doomed. We're I'm done out. Um, actually, uh, Blackbeard, that's who I'm dressed as, yep. once took hostages in Charlestown Harbor, this is in 1718, and what he said was, I, I'm going to keep these people hostage until you give me a medicine chest. That was it. Smart. Which, 
Right, but it, I mean, it was sort of like, it was... Sorry, it's smart to take hostages? You're, no. You're endorsing that? <laughs> I'm not endorsing that. I, what I'm saying is that it was kind of an em employer-sponsored healthcare plan. <laughs> of, so of sorts. Yeah. Edward Teach was really invested in the health of his crew and, and was willing to take hostages for it. I will say that, because I was thinking like, wow, that's an expensive adventure. Um, that medicine chest in today's money would probably be worth like $50,000. Whoa. Now, that being said, I also think a lot of it wouldn't work. So I don't know how we're measuring the worth. Now, if you didn't have a surgeon, again, once again, refer referencing Blackbeard, you could always steal one. That was popular. Um, if, you, if, you, <laughs> if you went and plundered a ship and took everything you could, you could also take their surgeon. That was just a common thing to do. Initially, when Blackbeard took command of the Queen Anne's Revenge in 1717, he made the three surgeons stay. Everyone else... I don't want to know what happened. Everyone else leave <laughs> peacefully. You're fine. I wonder if your ship is getting taken over by pirates, how, if you decide how kidnappable you want to look depending on uh, your job <laughs> satisfaction. Like, yeah, you know what? I'm wrapped. There's nowhere else for me to send up the ladder here. I'm going to just look super kidnappable and let them take me over. Now, the problem with that practice is that if you're going to steal surgeons from other boats, you have to make sure that like, they know what they're doing and you, you can't really quality control, right? You're not like interviewing people. You're not, you're not necessarily getting the best ones. And at that time, the Navy had really loosened restrictions on who could be a naval surgeon. Prior to that, you would really do an apprenticeship. That was what medical training was. Uh, it would start at like 12 or 13 years old you would do a six or seven year apprenticeship with somebody who was already practicing, and then you would take a big exam, and it was pretty much the same, whether you were gonna practice on the sea or on the land. Well, at some point, the, the, especially the British Navy was like, we need to make sure everybody, every ship has a surgeon, and there weren't enough to go around, so they really sort of like loosen those restrictions, and we're like, if you can sit for this 15 minute exam, <laughs> you probably can do this. And that, <laughs> <laughs> that exam would involve like, are you a grown-up? <laughs> do, do you know what surgery is? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and if you pass, then you could go be on a ship. And then if, you know, a pirate stole you, then uh -oh. that's what you get. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, there was one passage that I enjoyed. Edward Barlow talked about this in 1672, the kinds of surgeons that you might get <laughs> that might be aboard a ship. The surgeons and doctors of physic in ships many times are very careless of a poor man in his sickness, their common phrase being to come to him and take him by the hand when they hear that he hath been sick two or three days, thinking that this is soon enough. Feel his pulses, and when he is half dead, asking when he was at stool. When did he poop? That's... Some things never change. That's what we want to know, right? You're half dead. We're checking your pulse and saying, when did you last poop? <laughs> How do you feel? How he has slept? And then giving him some of their medicines upon the point of a knife, which doeth as much good to him as a blow upon the head with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> That's a remarkable amount of self-awareness. I know. One captain once referred to the surgeon as someone to kill a man secundum artem, which means, according to science. 
Um, now, to be fair, and, and there was a hierarchy with this too. The onboard, the surgeon on the ship answered to the captain, so which is, a, is an interesting sort of medical hierarchy, because at any point, the captain could come and be like, okay, actually, you have no idea what you're doing, and you have to run the patients by me, the captain of the ship, the pirate, before you do any medicine, because it is very clear to me that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> um, pirates tended to like their surgeons more than other sailors. They were more appreciative of whatever they could, could offer. Um, they uh, would like keep them in a place in the ship. You would store your surgeon <laughs> in a safer place, and, and where they were less likely to, you know, get killed. They should put the medicine there. Well, that would go there, too. Okay. The surgeon and the medicine. If they have a better place for it that doesn't get shot as much, like, let's go and mm -hmm. put it there. Um, and then if there was some sort of, like, mutiny, the surgeon was unlikely to be murdered in the mutiny or thrown overboard with the captain. That's comforting. Like, you'd keep them. You would just, they would just get passed along to whoever the new crew was in charge of things. Um, we have done on Sawbones an entire episode about scurvy, but it's been a long time. So I thought it was at least worth referencing. I mean, if we're gonna talk about pirates, things that plague pirates, obviously scurvy was one of the biggest issues. Now we know now that this is a lack of vitamin C. Um, we didn't know that at the time. Uh, it, it was a long time and a lot of bleeding gums before we figured this out. And like I said, for some reason, we consider the golden age of piracy the time before we figured it out. <laughs> um, so because we didn't understand why people got it, there were some really weird ideas about how to fix it. Um, malted barley was a really common treatment. And the thought was that humans are held together by a kind of fixed air. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, are you trying not to say farts or... <laughs> No, but it doesn't sound that way. It does just a little bit sound like you're trying not to say farts. No, it's just that we're held together by... Because if pirates thought we were just <laughs> flesh held together by farts, I can see why they were so cavalier. Life was cheap to that sort. Just sees this as a bunch of bags of farts. It's twisted, man. Puts it in a whole new light, doesn't uh, it? It's, you know, Justin, it's, it has been a long week, and I don't... Are we just flesh held together by farts? I hope not. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but because of that, the thought was that like fermented foods like malted barley might help replace some of the fixed air <laughs> that you're losing when okay. you have scurvy, which is a lack of fixed air. That's obviously This is not before true. beans um, were commonly. <laughs> beans were a treatment. <laughs> that is a treatment. Sorry, beans were a treatment? Were Are a you treatment. sure you're not talking about people together by farts? People, there must have been a lot. <laughs> There was a lot of gastrointestinal distress on a ship, you may imagine. <laughs> so Yeah, you don't want to let your, your glue out. <laughs> Come on. Hold it all in. I need that body glue. Obviously, obviously the old favorites. That's what happened with peg leg people. They let out too many farts and their foot fell off because they didn't have enough farts and they had to get a stick. That's hey listen, that's in Pirates of the Caribbean 4. If you didn't see it, that's your fault. Okay? Yeah. I, I almost fell off at 3-2 when I heard about that scene. I got it at Redbox. It's either that or these are, these are spoilers for our flag means death yeah, season Yeah, these two. are spoilers for season two where everybody's made of farts. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. 
But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Um, obviously, bloodletting was popular for everything. Um, so you would try that. Drinking seawater was a popular treatment. That didn't work. Bad. Um, one of the treatments, this feels, this feels like something that is always going to be true. The captain would be like, well, it's just that you're not working hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> you need to work harder You got time ship. to have gastrointestinal distress, then <laughs> you got time to... Clean Which, the posts? Yeah, you need to clean the ship better with your gums necrosing and your brain hemorrhaging. Um, there were a lot of other things that obviously would make pirates sick other than scurvy. You had in- inadequate nutrition. You were getting sunburns all the time, um, just the heat, lack of clean water. There were, of course, a lot of illnesses like plague and typhus and cholera. And the theory behind a lot of those sorts of things, something that would strike multiple people on a ship at once... At the time, it was thought that it was because of, like, bad air, 
It was a miasma theory of disease. You're like inhaling something in the air and it was tied directly to something like you could smell. So the, it, the thought was like, if you are around something stinky, you get sick. And that's why everybody's getting sick. So like you don't wanna be around like garbage or corpses. That would be, <laughs> those would be things that- Prevalent, both prevalent mm -hmm. on ships. Well, could be. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and also, because that was the theory of like why disease was happening, a way to combat that is to burn something that smelled, I was going to say better, but as I read about the different things you could smell, I wouldn't say better, I would say different. <laughs> something that smells other than what you're smelling okay. as a treatment. So like, because you could, you could burn some tarred rope. I don't, I don't think that would be nice. I haven't seen that one at Bath and Body Works. <laughs> Or like, or like gunpowder was listed, but that seems bad. Like the ship's, what if you went the ship's made of wood. <laughs> and you need the gunpowder. Like what if the captain came in and found Jerry like burning all the gunpowder. Captain's like, what are you doing? He's like, well, it's stung in here. <laughs> so I lit all that gunpowder. I'm sorry, okay? You don't want me to smell the bad stink, do you? It'll make us sick. Um, and there were specific things, like um, you could burn some frankincense, and you would do this like, the way it was described was like a chafing dish of hot coals. And you could like burn some frankincense on there and then like hold it under your butt if you were constipated. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. But you had to be careful with this because- I would imagine. <laughs> for many reasons. But you can imagine if you fall asleep and you've got like a chafing dish of hot coals there, and again, you are on a ship made of wood. Yeah, not their favorite treatment, yeah. I would say. There was a case where that happened where somebody was trying to treat constipation, something, with a nice smell to combat a bad smell, to create a bad smell, <laughs> I guess, if it was constipation. Yeah. Um, but they, they fell asleep, the ship caught on fire, and it was very tragic, and the captain rightly blamed it on the woman on board. <laughs> She didn't do it, just that she was, you know, she was there. Although, I mean, if you want to get the bowels moving, seeing the ship you're on burn around you is one sure way to do it. <laughs> if that doesn't scare the crap out of you, nothing will. Um, when, when they recovered the Queen Anne's Revenge back in the 90s, they found some medical equipment, specifically that, like, Blackbeard's pirates would have used. Among them were pewter syringes. Oh. Do you have any idea where these syringes were used or what for or in what manner? Why Do you have any guesses? Why would I have any? I mean, injecting drugs that we had. Well, where? What? In your vein. <laughs> sort of. So these would have been used to treat syphilis, more than likely, <laughs> which was a common problem. And you would, use, you would put mercury in these. Uh, please, Hammer, don't hurt him. No. <laughs> Don't It'd be a, no. a urethral Stop, administration. No. Uh, <laughs> do you, you know that urethra, you understand what I'm referencing? Yeah, Sid, I understand. <laughs> I'm 42 years old. I do know what that is. And the, what's interesting is that there was a treatment regimen for syphilis that was like, just eat mercury. And somebody oh. was like, not good enough. <laughs> no. Not for me. <laughs> no. You get right to the source. Mm -hmm. Now, that's, that would be a problem, of course, because mercury, mercury also is toxic, and so 
people would have syphilis because we weren't actually curing it. They would have syphilis for a very long time, and so you would see like the surgeon on board a ship over and over and over and get those syphilis treatments with mercury in your urethra over and over, which could kill you with mercury over time. Okay. <laughs> Grim. Um, they also found... I thought you were going to say something funny. <laughs> no, it just... And, and in turn blue. Get, oh, you get kidney failure. Oh, okay, that. yeah, man. Oof. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oof. There were also enema syringes. Is that funnier? <laughs> no. You could so you could give enemas or just to like administer meds directly to the source <laughs> more quickly. That you can see that was a big theme. Like there's something wrong with my down there. I want to put the medicine down there. Makes sense. That makes sense. You know, I get that. Um, but they found those. They also found porringers, which look like these, these little cups with like a tiny fancy handle on them, um, almost like a really fancy measuring cup, if you think about it. But like they were used for collecting blood for bleeding. Oh, so nice. they found like a whole collection of those. So you could have, so as you bled somebody, you could have nice little cups of blood. Paul Revere made these frequently, so now you know that. That has nothing to do with pirates, but now you know that. And they'd say, Paul, what are these for? And he'd say, I don't know. Why, they're to catch blood. Why, Paul? I don't know, honestly, but people buy them. As long as I keep printing inspirational sayings on them, people, they keep flying off the shelves. I got some Grogu ones over there, if you look. Those are hot. What's wild is that you could indeed, they're called porringers, and some people did use them to like eat porridge out of. So it's like a dual use. It's sort of like, you know how, and you all do, you know how you have that bowl in your house that you use for popcorn, but also you use it to puke in? Yeah. I see you. Some people are looking at their neighbors like they are strangers. <laughs> there are some couples right now that are like, huh? You have that bowl. We yeah. all have that bowl. <laughs> My bigger fear is that we don't all have that bowl and we've just ripped the social fabric asunder. It's the big one. You know, the big one. <laughs> hey, folks, take it from me, the J-man. Keep it non-porous, okay? <laughs> We want glass or metal. That's it. Only acceptable materials. Um, now, obviously, there was a lot of fighting that could have occurred in those days. A lot of what a surgeon would do on board would have to do with treating those sorts of injuries. Um, the main way, if you, have, uh, if you have a knife wound, you're going to clean that. Well, you're going to dump some alcohol on it, so it's cleaning it. Um, if you have something, some sort of projectile that's lodged in there, there was a lot of, like, digging things out. Um, at the time, we really didn't have a good understanding, of course, of infection. If something became filled with pus and then like oozing pus, that was usually seen like as a good sign. That was part of the process. This is, this is how healing occurs. Um, if something wasn't oozing pus, you may intentionally try to like, you know, blister it or put something caustic on it or something to make it ooze pus because that was part of the process. Um, and then if at some point it was clear to you that things were going the wrong direction, bleeding was usually the treatment at that point. So you get a bullet wound, it gets infected, you're getting fevers, you're really sick, so then we will bleed you. 
Um, at times, this was overused. There was one captain at one point who the surgeon, and again, this probably caused to the fact that some surgeons weren't properly trained, uh, was just bleeding everybody on the ship until they died. And, the, and finally, the captain had to stop him and say, I don't know anything about medicine, but this seems, this, this seems Is wrong. Working? Um, a lot of the times, surgeons would be quick to amputate because it was something that they could do. This is like, (laughs) there's so much of medical history that is, why did we do that? It was something we could do. (laughs) Um, And so at that time, of course, an amputation, there would be no anesthesia. Um, Things were not done in, in, you know, a sanitized fashion. Um, You would try to be quick, uh, try to uh, stop the bleeding as quickly as possible with some sort of hot iron to cauterize the wound. Um, And then of course, again, if they became infected afterwards, you just bleed them some more. Um, I I thought it was interesting, there was a note as I was reading about, obviously people would would die at sea, that would happen. And if the surgeon couldn't figure it out, and we've talked about a lot on Sawbones that through the years, the ability to do an autopsy or to do like anatomical dissections to learn about the human body, has been morally ambiguous depending on where and when you are in history. Um, There've been a lot, there've been riots over whether or not we should be able to do that. At sea, it happened sometimes just because someone was really curious. It seems like the restrictions were a lot looser. So a lot was actually learned by surgeons at sea who would be able to do these autopsies because they were like, I have no idea what just happened. And they would, and there was like, you find multiple accounts of pirates actually saying, listen, I don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. So after I'm gone, like, just open me up, buddy, and figure it out (laughs) and tell somebody. And you find a lot of of accounts of that, which I thought was really interesting because these are periods of time where autopsies on land were not being done or talked about openly. And then their buddy next to him is like, and also, Doc, when that happens... You've got to call me because it's wicked boring on this ship. And I would love to see you just dig around in Jake's guts. And I, so if you just call me up, I'm happy to get down here, no problem. Um, who you're talking about at that point, if you need somebody to help you out, you're probably talking about a surgeon's mate. And this is, this is a position on board that we haven't talked about. So you've got your surgeon, but you need an assistant, right? You need somebody to help them out. Um, because they've got a lot to do. They've got a lot of people to take care of. They've got a lot of wounds to bandage. They've got a, they should be, especially all of the people who are ill or injured, they're supposed to be checking on every single day. Like you did rounds, like surgeons would do their rounds on a ship, go around and check on everybody who was sick or unwell. Um, And uh, in one, there is one great, it was a fictionalized account, but it was based on, it was autobiographical. The author really had these experiences and then kind of, you know, wrote, fiction about it, but the author was named Tobias Smollett, and in 1748, he published The Adventures of Roderick Random. Roderick Rory Random. And... (laughs) R-R-R. Yes. And... (laughs) Oh, that sounds like... (laughs) Sounds like a pirate joke. Are you making a pirate joke? Yeah. And also talking about my favorite, my favorite movie, RRR. 
So, uh, so this is an entire account. So Tobias actually did work as a surgeon's mate. He actually witnessed a lot of these things, and then he sort of made up this uh, random who who went through these things, and then he could use him to tell the story of, of everything he experienced. It's like not me for the family circus, right? You just you make up a character that. Is that a character on Family Circus? You guys don't read a lot of Family Circus. Pretend I didn't say anything. Rachel, edit that out. Rachel, edit that out when I reference Family Circus. Thank you. That's the one where they call them meat bulbs. I, you guys aren't laughing. You heard that, right? <laughs> meat bulbs? Are you kidding me with this stuff? Rachel, edit that out. <laughs> meat bulbs. Um, <laughs> so he wrote, and this is one thing that, uh, that could happen on board. This would be a duty of, of one of the surgeon's mate. Sorry. <laughs> so, so from one account, at a certain hour in the morning, the boy of the mess, okay, the boy of the mess, <laughs> you're going to need to know who that is first. So the... The boy of the mess would generally be someone who would also, like, hand people stuff in the dining room. <laughs> so, like, you know, the captain's dining, and he would, like, hand them whatever they need, refill their glass or hand them, you know, silverware or whatever. So the boy of the mess. But also the boy of the mess had this duty. So at a certain hour in the morning, the boy of the mess went round all the decks, ringing his small handbell, and in rhymes composed for the occasion invited all those who had sores to, to repair before the mast where one of the doctor's mates attended with applications to dress them. So that's right, he would go around and ring a bell and recite poems about coming to get your wounds dressed. And, and he I was a mess boy? And he was a mess boy. And I was thinking, Justin, right now, I feel like you would be the one to walk around ringing a bell and reciting poems about getting your wounds dressed. Do you have any ideas? You want? You about, think I should be the mess? Yeah. Could you, you think I would mess, be a mess boy me on some, a ship? I thought. Give me some uh, wound poems. Is there? I don't. Okay. What are you, is this the end of the show? This is the end of the show. I want you to give me a mess poem. You've got like a minute to give me a mess poem. Okay. And then we gotta and then we gotta go away. Mess, mess boy, mess boy, hear his sacred call. Mess boy, mess boy, he's here to help you all. If your wound is dirty and you don't feel too flirty, bring it to me, the mess boy. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you to the taxpayers for using their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. Thank you to the Taft Theater. Thank you to Cincinnati. Thanks so much to you for listening. Until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head.